Good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It is Thursday, January 12th, 2023. I'm Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and I'm so glad you could join us today. Uh, shout out to all our listeners who are listening up in Virginia on WPMH, the Lighthouse on 100.1 FM, 96.9 FM, and 1270 AM. In Meridian, Mississippi, on WMER, 1390 AM and 93.1 FM, WMOX, 1010, Talk Radio in Meridian. And in Jacksonville, 91.7 FM and uh, 91.9 in St. Augustine. And up in Folkestone, Georgia, on 91.3. Man, that's a lot of stations. I gotta, I, I'm just so thankful that God's allowed us to broadcast there. And I'm thankful that today's guest day, and our listeners are in for a treat, you guys get to hear from a, a dear friend who has been a great, great Paul in my life over the last, gosh, 20-plus years. And uh, I'm so thankful that he's uh, able to join us today. And if there's anything you need to know about this guy, he is one focused man. And I'm really uh, excited to have him back, Dr. Perry Bowers. Perry, welcome back to SWAT Radio. Oh, it's great to hear you again, Doug. Perry, to be here. Yeah, Perry and his wife have been married for a long time. I won't say how long, but uh, over 40 years. Is it over 50 yet? 47. 47. 47. You're getting there. Uh, and uh, exactly. Perry is a uh, PCA pastor, and uh, he's a mountain biker, a kayaker, and uh, he likes to poke your eye out when you play basketball with him. If you're, uh, he's a pretty aggressive basketball player. At least he used to be. So uh, anyway, he is a, uh, and he's a big far side freak. If I remember that right about him, because I I got some of the best far side comics. If some of you guys may not even know what far side is, it was a it was a comic strip that was really funny. It kind of showed you. I think one of my funniest ones, the ones that was most funny to me, was a guy pushing the door that said pull, and it was school for the gifted. So that, I think that's what, if I remember right. But, uh, Perry, glad to have you back on here. And uh, I, I, I ask you to come back because it's the beginning of the year. And one of the things that uh, I've always uh, loved about you is every year you have a focus word or phrase. Uh, and and it kind of that's your theme for the year. And so, what's your theme this year? My theme this year is heaven rules. Out of Daniel six, verse uh, Daniel four, verse twenty six. Heaven rules. Well, that's a good theme. How did these uh, theme words or phrases come about? Like, what what started these? How did you even think? I know you're focused, but how did you think to do them? Because you actually have a plaque with all the words on them, right? I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, back in 1975, when I first got married, I was maybe uh, all three or four years old in Christ. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I was the first one in my family to come to Christ. And I was scared to death. And I was reading in Scripture one day when uh, Philippians 3, and it said, where Paul says, the great apostle Paul says, but one thing I do, 
I said, man, if the Apostle Paul can focus on one thing, maybe I could do that. And then I read a couple days later, this is in the beginning of the year, a couple days later from uh, Psalm 27, where David says, but one thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek, and may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And, he, and I go, what would happen? God put this idea, what would happen if I took one thing a year amidst all my Bible reading and all the other stuff and just every day ask God to build that into my life, a weak area, something that I would just horrible at and weak at. And, and, um, and God put that on my heart. And I tried it for a couple of years, and uh, my first one was humility because in pride I was running around doing stuff on my own strength. And the next one was uh, a sacrificial husband because I just wasn't a good husband at the time. And so I was doing okay, but uh, better than the next guy, I guess, but not up to God's standards. And so I decided then and there, every year I was going to choose a weak area of my life and ask God to make it a strong area of my life uh, through his Holy Spirit. And that's how it came about. Oh, about five years into it, my wife saw transformation in my life, and she saw I was serious. So she bought me the plaque. It looks like a employee of the month <laughs> deal, you know, the little... Uh, the little, you know, it's got about 60 plaques on it. So she had greater faith than I did, and I do it for 60 years. And that's how it came about. Hmm. Well, it is. it has been very impactful to me. And my word for the year is meditation, just meditating ah. on God's word. And uh, because I, I've kind of gotten in the pattern of reading in the mornings, and I read and I ingest it, but sometimes I fly over. And it's not like I'm getting the check in the box, but I'm just, I'm not chewing on it enough. And did I think it was you who told me not long ago that it actually, to meditate means to actually chew on like a cow chews cud, right? Yeah, you sort of barfs it up and chews <laughs> on it. I don't know if you say that on the radio or not, but too bad. <laughs> well, you said it, so uh, yeah, no, that's well, good. I said it, uh, maybe it's time delay and you beeped it out or something, I don't know. But that's, that's literally what it means. Cows have four stomachs and it means just to bring it back up and keep chewing on it and chewing on it hmm. until it's just milk for others, so to speak. Hmm. Well, uh, Perry, you have been in a little bit of transition because you founded Focus Living and Focus Living was, um, it's up in Columbia, South Carolina, but it's impacted people all over, all over the world. Cause I know you've done training. You've taught people the each one reach one, which was something that was very impactful to me and forums and our SWAT groups are really kind of mirrored after your forums. A lot of those, how, how did, um, uh, how did Focus Living really um, come about? Because I know you, you, did you go to seminary and think you were going to be a pastor? Uh, or, or did, I mean, you know, I know you are an ordained pastor, but you, you've kind of been more of a marketplace guy out there in these forums. Um, I know you've been on church staff too, but primary, your primary ministry seems to be to the men in the marketplace. Uh, Talk a little yeah. bit about that uh, well, and, and how sure. well, that was the calling God had on your life and what's going on with Focus Living now. Sure. Well, my dad, uh, came, you know, my dad's Navy captain, and so we were all over the place, all over the country, lived in Scotland for a while, but never worse, killed, so I won't say that. Mm. And, uh, but I wanted my, I was the first one in my family to come to Christ, and I wanted my dad to come to Christ. And so I went to him about a week after I came to Christ to share the gospel with him. And he wasn't hostile or anything, but he sort of 
blew it off, and it just it just gave me a heart and a passion uh, for men like my dad, unchurched guys or church damaged guys, guys that sit in church forever, think they they know about Christ but they don't know Christ. And so uh, whether it was youth ministry, I'd always go after the dads, not just the kids and the students. And when planting a church, uh, the church was growing and so forth. But after about five years, the more the church grew, the more it would take time out of my schedule uh, to run the church instead of being out in the marketplace with men, with unbelievers, helping them come to Christ and grow in Christ. So I started a uh, ministry called Focus Living 30 years ago helping men become so focused on Christ, they're living for Christ. Mm. And that's how it started. And uh, the reason I moved here is because I wanted to model to the men that families are important and come first. I got six grandkids, and uh, they live in Chattanooga. So my wife and I decided that uh, after 30 years, I wouldn't retire, but I'd start a ministry here of some kind. And uh, we moved here to be with our kids, to share Christ with them. Now, are you, I know that Dave Andes and uh, you have other guys that are doing the forums now, but uh, have you pretty much turned over Focus Living to them? Are you still actively involved in it? No, they're they're running it. It's their ministry. In fact, it's growing more than I They're taking it to the next next level. Uh, The grip ministries, the discipleship, the outreach, all of it. They're just doing a great job. Had a great team as a most fun team I'd ever been a part of for 30 years. And I hated to leave it, but the Lord released me, and it was very clear. He said, I've got something else for you in Chattanooga. And so go there and love your family and uh, help your son-in-laws uh, raise their families. That's awesome. Well, that's great. Well, you know, uh, Perry, I met you back, I think, in 1996 through Leighton Ford. Leighton had you teaching at the Aero Leadership Ministries, and that was our first time to meet. And one of the impacts you've had on me is your tenacity for follow-up. I mean, literally, you've modeled for me and helped me uh, to see it in action what it's like to call and check on somebody because that's something that's missing in a lot of ministry. Because, you know, a lot of our our local ministry is go and do something at an event, whether it's a Bible study or church setting, and then we kind of lose touch with somebody in the week unless we go do an activity with them. And you've modeled staying in touch and and been there for me um, a lot. Why is it important for men to be in community with other men around the Word of God and be accountable to that? Well, because... um... You can't grow apart from community. Uh, Christianity is a team sport. There's no Lone Ranger Christians. Uh, Hebrews 10 says, uh, if you're going to hold fast to confession without wavering, he says, then I want you to consider how to stimulate one another. Do not forsake meeting together, but but, uh, stimulate one another to love and good works. And the word stimulate is a word to poke a fire. You know when a fire burns low? Mm -hmm. You poke it, it's air and air, and it burst into flames again, and that's the word God uses there, the author of Hebrews. And God says, when you're in community, you need to give each other permission to poke and keep that fire blazing uh, for the Lord. And a lot of, for a lot of men, the fire, you can't lose your salvation, but it's going very, very dim. There's not a lot of light going on. Mm-hmm. Um, well, 
has, you know, did somebody do that for you? Like, I mean, because you have been very faithful to call and say, hey, Doug, how's it going? How's your ministry going to your wife and your kids? How's it going? Like, I've been around doing things for a long time. You know, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time. But you're 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 one of the most intentional people I know at doing that. Was that modeled for you? Is it just God something revealed to you in Scripture? Like how? Because you, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only guy you do it with. You do it with a lot of your guys that God's brought into your life. But what led you to be able to do that? Well, uh, first of all, Lord Jesus Christ is intentional Himself. I was dead in my sins. Uh, he broke into my life. He gave me the faith to trust in him. So Jesus modeled it. And God put some people around me that were very intentional and in following me up. Mm-hmm. And uh, love is intentional. I can't wait till somebody comes, hey, Perry, would you love me? Mm-hmm. I need to go to them. And there's not a lot of verses in Scripture saying go out and invite people to come to church, but there's thousands of verses saying I want you to go to where they are. Jesus was intentional, the incarnation, he came to us, God became man, and I want to model that. So God has gave me a vision of, of being intentional in people's lives. And every year for the last, gosh, 40, uh, 52 years since I've been in full-time uh, vocational ministry, I take five to eight men a year, and many others may never know who they are, and I just intentionally go after them. Mm-hmm. I meet them, I call them, I pray with them, I pray for them, I meet them in their businesses, where they are, and uh, you're one of those guys. God put you on my heart, mm-hmm. and um, God says, you're going to be disobedient, Perry, if you don't, uh, go after Doug McCary. And so I just encourage him and love him and help him to develop whatever ministry God puts on his heart. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's just what I've been doing, and that's how I break the ministry down, Not beyond those eight, 10 guys, there's another 20 guys. And so I can't do it to everyone, but there's at least 20 to 30 men a year for 50 years that I just intentionally find a way to love and build and encourage and help them be the men, the husbands and fathers and businessmen that God's called them to be. Well, well, being around men's ministry for as long as you've been around it, what do you say to those guys out there who are struggling uh, they, they, you know, they may have been in church most of their life, uh, or at least they that they go to church with their spouse or, you know, they, they just go to church, but they're not really engaged in the discipline of reading the Bible daily or even meeting with men. Um, where's a good place for somebody like that to start with a spiritual discipline of prayer? Like they just don't even know, like they say, I don't even feel like praying. Like, I don't even know how to pray or I don't. I don't even know where to start in the Bible. I, I know one guy, Perry, who literally just opens the Bible. <laughs> he has a Bible, and he'll open it up, and he'll read one verse, and that's his daily Bible reading. But he, there's no there's no systematic way to do it. What do you say to somebody who's just trying to figure it out like that? Yeah. Well, whether they're trying to just figure it out or you've been at it a long time, you men out there, listen to this principle. Men do not do what they believe. Men do what they value. It's amazing how men find it the hardest thing in the world to read Scripture for 15 minutes, and yet watching a you know watching the Super Bowl game or the NCAA go Georgia you know this past week, 
uh, it, it, they think nothing of spending three or four hours there because they value it. Mm-hmm. So the first principle is you've got to start valuing what God values. And I give this illustration all the time, and let me just share it very quickly. But when I lived in uh, Philadelphia, there was a J.C. Penney store that almost went out of business. There was about $8 million uh, they lost in a week or in a, one day. And what happened was, but nothing was broken, nothing was caught on fire, nothing was destroyed. About 20 college students from the area up in Philadelphia hid away in the clothes racks one night. And when they closed the store down on a prank, they went around the store changing all the price tags, thousands of price tags. So in the mornings when when the store opened up, uh, you know, a Rolex watch went for a dollar and a pack three pack of underwear went for six hundred dollars. Wow. And they had to close the store down and reprice everything. That's what Satan does in our lives all the time. Every day, Satan is trying to switch the price tag and every man that's listening right now. And I'm telling you, we've got to go to the Lord and say, God, would you help me to start valuing my wife, my relationships, all the, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, verse memory, all those things the way you do. And until that happens, there is no plan out there that's going to get you growing. So please hear that. Once you start valuing God's, the word and scripture and prayer the way God wants and community, then then there's a lot of ways uh, to cut that down and to start growing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I love that men don't believe what, you know, they don't do what they va- believe. They do what they value. And that's so true. It's like Lori says all the time, you do what you want to do. You do what's important to you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, again, uh, the way it, it's not a matter of discipline. Men, you have plenty of discipline to do what you want to do. Discipline is not the problem. What's the problem is you don't value what God values. We're always disciplined to watch some show on TV or go out and work out or whatever it is. But that's because we value it. But, man, we've got to start valuing and switching back those. And that's what Scripture does every day. Every day when I read scripture, God is reassigning the price tags in my life mm-hmm. so that my wife doesn't get leftovers, my kids, my grandkids, and it just works out. You're struggling with priorities? Not about New Year's resolutions, guys. It's all about re, um, remembering and realigning your life to what God says. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit about... Um... The, the importance of prayer, Perry. You know, uh, their Pew Research, who they, they they like Gallup, they do these research polls, and um, they they did this um, uh, you know a survey of men, and it was really interesting that it, it came back that thirty one percent of the men in America uh, in this survey never pray. They never pray. Uh, 7% pray monthly, 16% pray weekly. But I was really stunned. 46% of the men in this survey, and this is not um, religious. This is just a survey generally among Americans. 46% said they pray every day, which I think that mm-hmm. might have been an overestimation. You know, when people, nobody wants to be saying they don't pray. But I was still struck by that. So, 
at least 60% say they pray at least weekly. But uh, what do we pray for? I mean, <laughs> you know, as men, like, talk about the importance of prayer in your life and your ministry. Yeah. Well, the core of prayer is, uh, first of all, you need to understand several different words in the Scripture for prayer. The most often used by Jesus in, in the New Testament is the word prosuke. Pro means face. Uke is the wish of a small child. Prayer in the core of prayer is a small child crawling up into his father's lap and saying, Dad, would you come and throw the ball for me? Dad, would you play with me? Dad, can I have an ice cream? That's prayer. Prayer is not informing your father what you need. Prayer is aligning your heart to what the father wants. So every day when I pray, I have this vision, visual of me as a child of God crawling up in God the father's lap. What I can't think of a greater privilege Mm. and looking God in the eye and saying, father, according to your word here, these are some things I'd like you to do. These are, would you bring revival? Would you help this person come to Christ? Would you help me to be a good father? Would you help me to love my wife when we're going through a hard time? And all those things, that's what motivates me to prayer. Now, as far as the 46%, I don't know. There's what's called a halo effect. When you ask somebody a spiritual question, exactly what you said, people don't like uh, think you thinking less of them, so maybe they've inflated that. But all that to say is men have got to be um, pursuing Christ in prayer. The opening script line, the opening picture of Scripture, and I'm going a little long here, is this, is Job. Job is the oldest of the books written in the Bible. And the opening um, story, the opening scene of that book is a father praying for his 10 kids. And he wasn't just praying for their finances. He was praying, says, for their hearts, lest any of them sin and fall away. Mm -hmm. Wow. A father praying for his 10 kids is the opening, the oldest uh, scene of Scripture. Yeah, and he, he was praying. If you go back, like he said, if they've done anything wrong, Father, forgive them. I mean, he's interceding for them. You know, I, I, yes. I, that's, it's really impactful when you think about that. Well, you had mentioned grip earlier. Explain to our listeners what grip is. Well, grip is a discipleship uh, ministry that we started, and it just uh, it doesn't stand for uh, not a euphemism for, for anything, acrostic for anything. Uh, grip is just this. When God's hands grip my heart, then my hands will start doing what's on God's heart. And it's all about going before God and letting God grip and rip my heart uh, each and every day, to keep my heart soft. My biggest problem, Doug, is pride and uh, a hard heart. Hmm. And I want to be a man with a... Men aren't supposed to have soft hearts. At least that's what we're taught in our culture. And yet God says, no, no, no. I want you to have a, a soft heart towards me, because I've got so many things I want to do, and I want to uh, direct your heart in a certain way, and I want you to listen to my word and obey it, and that kind of, you can't do that with a hard heart, but a resilient, soft heart, God loves. And so that's what discipleship is all about, It's coming before God and saying, God, give me a soft heart to obey the things that you want. And um, every year you have 80 to 
150 guys uh, just going through scripture together. They're paired up and in community, and they're going just back to the basics, the basics of Acts uh, 242. You know those four things, Doug? Yep. Uh, fellowship, instruction, yep. Uh, worship, and expression, right? And that, uh, yep. Uh, yep. Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, the Lord's uh, Supper, and prayer. And that's what it's all built around, yeah. those things. Yeah. And we're seeing men, so many men grow strong in the Lord Jesus Christ because they're being intentional about being in the Word every day, having that accountability, and just keeping their hearts soft before the Lord. Yeah. Well, I, I know in your grip thing, you talk about, you know, rhythms. I love the way you phrase it. Uh, you talk about three core rhythms, and the first one is meeting with God, which was what I was talking about earlier, this this daily or regular, you call it unhurried time alone with God and his word uh, with with a view yep. toward love-motivated obedience, not guilt-induced obedience, <laughs> pretty much, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, because, that you know, growing up the way I grew up, I mean, I was taught that you read the word in the morning, but it's almost like if you didn't, it wasn't like I yearned for it, like I was hungry for it, which is a lot different now. I I have to have my time in the morning. That's my centering for the day. It's my my time with my dad in the morning that gets me ready to go out and face the world instead of just thinking I got to go through. But I, I know that that's a that's a really important rhythm and we gotta i want to talk more about that when we come back from our break and i also want to get into a little bit of accountability with you perry like not just the accountability from a confrontative standpoint but from an encouragement standpoint how important that is for guys because we're living in a time where people tend to isolate spiritually at least men have they kind of pull back and so I think there's a lot of opportunity out there. But uh, we'll be right back after this break. We're going to hear from the news. I'm with Dr. Perry Bowers, uh, who founded Focus Living Ministries. If you want to know more about Focus Living and some of these things we're talking about, you can go to focusliving.com, F-O-C-U-S-E-D, living.com. We'll be right back after the news with more SWAT Radio. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice of the same old lies If you're trying to feel the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It is Doug McCary of His Light Ministries and my good buddy Perry, Dr. Perry Bowers of Focus Living Ministries. He founded Perry. It's just weird to me not to say Focus Living for you anymore. I know that you're you still do stuff with them, but that's weird that you're not there. When I think of Perry Bowers, I think of Focus Living. <laughs> so just kind of a weird thing, I guess. But it's a place we all go to, huh? If we're doing God's yeah. work, we we replicate and 
we have to move on. Moses did it. Uh, Paul did it. I guess we all got to do it, right? Someday you're going to have to give away your baby SWAT radio and SWAT and his life. And uh, that means training up the next generation of leaders. Yeah. Well, I uh, am thankful that I had a guy like you modeling it for me. And I I wanted to let people know that they can go to focusliving.com because there are a lot of good articles there that are free like parenting principles and prayer walks and marriage date stuff for your, you know, with your wife. But I didn't even know this, Perry. I I didn't know you wrote a little booklet called Living Your Focus Word. We were talking about that early on. Yep. And people can get it. So listen, you can go yep. to focusliving.com, go to resources and look, and you can get the book that talks about how to live out your focus word. There's also stuff about grip on there. A lot of good resources, so don't hesitate to go there. And Perry didn't even pay me to plug that stuff, and it's all free anyway, just about it, except for that little book. Exactly. But but uh, go take advantage of that. Perry is a guy who's lived it out in a lot of ways. Perry, one of the things that stands out to me when I think back to the time I first met you was um, when you were teaching at uh, up at Arrow, you used a song by Sticks. First of all, I'd never heard any Bible teachers use Sticks for anything. But you sat there and you you made us listen, and you were talking about how a lot of times the culture – is light years ahead of the church in things and and we can learn from them not that the bible doesn't drive us but we should listen to the culture and listen to what they're saying and the song you used was called show me the way and it was by sticks and i've i've never forgotten the in fact i used it when i would teach evangelism because of the impact it made on me but the the words are every night i say a prayer in the hope that there's a heaven but every day I'm more confused as the saints turn into sinners. All the heroes and legends I knew as a child have fallen to idols of clay. I feel this empty place inside, so afraid I've lost my faith. If you didn't know better, you'd think a Christian wrote that song. I mean, no. I, I mean that, that was really an amazing insight God gave you there into the culture. Um, talk a little bit about how that, that helped you connect with people and, and really teach people to listen to culture. Yeah. Well, you listen to God and then you, under, in order to understand the culture, I don't, you know, just listen to the culture, uh, but I listen to God so that I can understand the culture that we're growing up in. Yeah. And that keeps my focus on the Lord. It keeps my focus on his truth. And, um, so, uh, that's that's what I do, and Sticks is just one of many songs, and I'm, I don't listen to a lot of that kind of thing, but every once in a while I will, and, and I'll hear a song that where the culture is crying out for truth, even in a post-truth uh, culture where we're trying to get rid of truth, and truth is everybody's got their own truth, all that kind of stuff. Mm. So anyway, that's that just helps keep me uh, uh, focused on the Lord and what He says so they can understand the culture, so I can see speak intelligently to an array of different men and women, all of whom, many of whom do not have the Lord at all. 
Well, what I appreciated about that is one, I, I used to like to listen to sticks. I used to like to, to play their music and I, I, I'd never heard that song, but when I heard it, my heart hurt for them because somebody wrote that song <laughs> and they're searching yeah. and that, that, and, and the application you made for that is those people out there in the world that don't know Jesus are feeling these things that they're singing about because that's why it was such yeah. a popular song. Um, and so I, I learned so much from you in that arena of reaching out and you learned a lot from your dad, didn't you? Your dad, who was not a believer for a long time. Uh, tell us about, right. you know, tell us about what he said when you got hired as a youth pastor. Didn't he have a sit down with you at like a breakfast place or something? Well, I was a youth pastor for a while. And uh, after about 20 years doing that, um, uh, a church asked me to be their pastor of evangelism discipleship. So my dad called me up as an unbeliever, unchurched guy, and said, um, hey, Perry, let's meet together tomorrow morning. And he said, because uh, this job that you're taking is what I forbid you to do 27, 20-some years ago when you told me about Christ the first time. He says, if you're going to be a good, if you're going to be good at evangelism, let's sit down and let me tell you how to do it. So I had this, I went to breakfast with my dad and he gave me the best insights of how, here's an unbelieving unchurched guy telling me how to be a good evangelist and pastor of evangelism. It was surreal out of body, but man, he gave me the best insights, which I wrote on a napkin and have to this day. Well, and I've I've given those same principles to hundreds and hundreds of people as I've trained people over the years because if I remember right, it was Christians talk too much and don't listen enough was one of them. <laughs> Make your faith real between Sundays. Am I getting those right? Are those right? Is that what he said? Uh, more more or less, mostly less, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You're you're, you're getting there. One of them was he said, "Look, you don't uh, you don't have to like us, but you got to love us." Mm. And that was a great it just just apply that to someone who just their lifestyle, their politics, everything about their language you just hate. Mm. You don't like them, but you have to learn to love them. Mm-hmm. Um, another one he said was, "Give us the basics. Don't get all fancy. Just give us the basics. My dad said, I don't really care what baptism is about. Who is this Jesus? Was he a good teacher or did he really, uh, was he really God in the flesh? Hmm. He said things like what you're getting at. He says, um, uh, he said, um, don't control everything. As when you're talking to someone, you control the content of a conversation, but let them control the conversation. Don't just have a monologue. So what do, what do you mean, Dad? He says, why don't you, Christians, start asking permission? What do you mean, Dad? He said, well, like, for example, why don't you say, hey, can I have permission to tell you my testimony, what God's done in my life mm-hmm. for two minutes? And then take two minutes, and if they say yes, that way we own the conversation instead of putting up uh, deflector shields and an inch-thick uh, metal plate that can't, where the truth doesn't penetrate. And so I started asking people for permission. Hey, can I have a permission to tell you what Jesus said about that? And people, when they said yes, the gospel went so great, and they, they, they listened to it. So all these different things hmm. my dad taught me. That was good. And your dad, 
eventually came to faith in Christ, didn't he? Later he in did. Life. He loves the Lord. He's growing in the Lord. Um, he's he's going to church. He went from I got to I got to do this to I get to do this. Hmm. And so many men don't come to that point. It's not that I got to go to church. I got to be God. I get to in response to God's love for me. Hmm. I get to do this. Hmm. And if there's any men out there that are got to kind of men. I'm begging you, go to the Lord and say, God, would you change my heart? I got to do this till I get to do this. Start responding to his love instead of trying to earn his love because mm. you already got his love. That's a good word. I remember another thing you shared in, in with us as we are, were leaders in trying to help people learn how to share their faith. You talked about the worm principle. Uh, can you talk with our listeners a little bit about that if if people are out there and you you've got people in your life you're trying to witness to or be a evangelistic witness to about jesus perry shared a principle about the worm principle you remember that perry i know i'm catching off guard with that but do you remember yeah, that no, principle? Not, not, yeah sure the, the principle is simply this uh where you know in psalm 22 uh you know Says, but I'm just a but I'm a worm in verse six, and not a man. And what Jesus is talking about, what uh, David is talking about, that, that that Jesus used later, was the whole idea of how do you catch fish? You don't catch fish with a hook. You don't catch them with a bat. That kind of, you 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 attract them, and the the way you attract them is by dying. I'm willing to say. To die to myself, the, the, word, the idea of dying is becoming unresponsive to what I want so I can respond to what others need. Let me say it again. A worm goes on the hook in order to die. If the worm does not die, you will catch no fish. And that's why we're so ineffective in our evangelism. Mm-hmm. The idea is this. Jesus was willing to die. He's willing to set aside his rights, his comfort, his desires in order to to um, meet the needs of others. Mm-hmm. So I can be uh, to die to what I want so I can respond to what others need. That's the worm principle right there. And right. there was no greater worm that attracted me to, uh, to the Father than Jesus Christ. Mm. That's, a, that's, that's a really good. I, I've always thought that was a great principle that you taught us and appreciate that. Well, Perry, in your your years of ministry to men, what what would you say is the biggest or has been the biggest hindrance to men being the faithful followers that Jesus calls us to be that you've seen in your forums? Like, is there a common thing that seems to knock guys out of the fight more than anything else for you that you've witnessed? Yeah, and we we would. I used to answer that. Yeah, maybe this sin or that sin. But going back to what we talked about before, men don't do what they believe. Men do what they value. The hardest work you will ever do is to believe. Uh, Pistis is the word there. Pisteo, and it means to be convinced to the point of action. And so many men are not yet convinced who this Jesus is. And so when you're not. Your identity becomes, well, I'm this, I'm that. This is my sexual identity. This is my identity over here as a worker. This is my, I'm this kind of Christian. That No, my identity is the person, Jesus Christ. 
And what knocks most men down is they've forgotten who they are. Remember that uh, story I told a long time ago about uh, uh, Albert Einstein. He was traveling along, most brilliant man around, and guy came to get his ticket, and um, and and uh, you know his ticket stub, and he couldn't find it. And the steward said, "Look, I'll be back in a little bit. Just relax. You're the most brilliant man in the world. You don't need your ticket." And the guy came back about 20 minutes later, and he opened the door, this train car, and Albert Einstein was on his face looking underneath the little table and the bench for this ticket. Mm. And the steward says, Dr. Einstein, you don't need your ticket. What, what are you doing? He says, son, you don't understand. I've got to find my ticket. I've forgotten where I'm going. <laughs> That's where so many men are. We have we've lost our ticket. We, we don't know where we're going. We don't know who we are or whose we are. It starts there. It's not this particular sin that trips guys up because you'll fall for a thousand different sins when you don't know who you are and who you are. Mm-hmm. So back to the basics. Where are you going, man? Where do you want to go? And who are you going to go with? Those are, those are key. Once you have those down, you're much like, less likely to get tripped up by porn or adultery or whatever it is. It's the, the sin of the month. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Perry, one of the things that struck me in the last few years that you shared with me was you have an, a, a brother uh, who lost his wife um, and to a battle to cancer, and you talked about his his perspective and how he just was able to work through that. How's he doing, first of all? Is he doing good? Well, uh, first of all, his first wife died of cancer, Kathy. His, his name, and my brother's name is Kenny. He's my hero. He's two years younger than I am. And um, word Kenneth means strength. Mm-hmm. And uh, his first wife died of cancer. I had the privilege of remarrying him uh, uh, to uh, Rachel, and she died of breast cancer and brain cancer mm. uh, six years later. So he's he's walked two beautiful, godly women across the finish line. Mm-hmm. And the secret to his, if anyone has the, uh, pr- the uh, uh, the right to become bitter or angry is Kenny, mm. and here he is. At, you know, sixty-seven years old. He's alone, but his joy is just is just contagious because he's so focused on the person of Jesus Christ. Mm. Jesus is his first love, and so forth. And his key verse, one of the key verses, got him through was. Um, uh, Psalm seventy-eight twenty-five, um, which says, Whom have I in heaven but thee, and besides thee I desire nothing on earth. Mm-hmm. My body my flesh will fail, but you are the, my prize and my portion forever. And that's my, my, my brother's key verses that got him through, that I just, I've got Jesus. I don't have to have everything else, even a wife. And God, if you want to take that away from me, so be it. I love you, Jesus. Mm, I just remember you talking about how he he walked through that and was uh, just had a really he just had a heart for for other people, even in the midst of his own struggle, and that was really encouraging. I remember yeah. you sharing that, and that's just and so that's interesting. Though his Psalm seventy three was one of the places he camped on, huh? That was good. Yeah. Um, well. Uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you um, is, and by the way, if you're listening out there and you're at home, 
you can send me a question to ask at SWATradio.com. I'm happy to ask Dr. Bowers a question. Here, here's a guy who's been in ministry for a long time and been been around and uh, spoken in a lot of places, shared with a lot of men, and he loves the Lord. And uh, uh, I just had this question for him, which I've heard somebody ask one time, thought it was good. If you could go back knowing what you know now, and talk to Perry Bowers five years after he became a believer, back knowing all the ministry things you've learned, all the places you've been, all the struggles you've walked through, what would you prioritize to young Perry? What would you say, Perry, this is where you need to focus, where you need to really hang your hat in these couple of areas? as a young man who wants to follow God, what would you say to that young Perry, knowing what you know now, you know, and where you sure. walk through? Well, as a almost 70 year old in two months or less than six weeks, I'll be 70 years old. And I would answer that a lot differently 20 years ago, but the older I get, mm-hmm. the more I see uh, the basics. I want to go back to the basics more and more the basics of who Jesus is, the basics of God's character, the basics of the scriptures. I want to go back to the basics. I think of that uh, a verse in Mark 9 where the father, uh, you know, wants his son healed. And he says, you, you know, and he says, all, Jesus says, all things are, uh, um, all things are possible for he who believes. And the father responds, I do believe, help me. And, my unbelief. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where I'm at. Uh, yes, I've grown a lot in my faith in the Lord, but it is limitless. I want to believe God more. I want to believe him for his promises on this side of the grave. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much longer I've got to live. I want to believe him for his promises on the other side of the grave. I want to believe all that he said about life and death, about every topic. And my hardest thing, the hardest work I do, according to John the six twenty nine, is to believe God. The disciples said, Jesus, give us work to do that we may do the works of God. And Jesus looked at him in, in John six twenty nine and says, This is the work of God to believe in him whom he has sent. The hardest work I do every day is to believe God and what he said and then act on it. Okay? You can believe intellectual ascent, but then to act on what he said, that's the hard work. So I would say, if you're out there at whatever age, learn to believe God. And all faith is built on facts. Learn facts about God's character. Learn facts about his promises, his faithfulness through the ages, and his faithfulness to you. And build your faith around the facts that you've learned about God. And the way you grow in your faith is to get more and more facts about God from Scripture and from your experience. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I would say. And that everything is based on that. I was just in Egypt uh, uh, two months ago, and I was amazed at how huge those pyramids were. But uh, what was I most impressed about was the base on those things. Though cement is not holding those pyramids together. Mm-hmm. The base of that thing is huge. And we're only seeing part of that base. The rest of it goes underneath the sand. And I stood in front of that pyramid, and I said, man, Lord, give me the basics. Give me the base of your character and your uh, 
your faithfulness and your promises, and let me build my faith on that. We, we, uh, so that's what I would now, say. No, that's a, that's a really, really good response. I appreciate you, you sharing that. And to, to just dovetail on that a little bit, I, I read an article not long ago that talked about the, dan- the greatest danger to any man's spiritual life is really not the external influences, but his own heart, the the world yes. within the deep the deep heart within the things that nobody knows about. And one of the things that I know your forums have been big on, and I've tried to do that too, as a SWAT, is accountability and encouragement. It, it's awkward in our culture now to do that. A lot of times, what would you say, Perry? If you knew a guy like how? How would you encourage people out there if they know people in their life that are not making the best decisions, they love the Lord, and they go, well, who am I to say anything to them? I can't say anything. I don't really know them that well, but I know they're a believer, and I know they're not involved with anything. How? I mean, that not that the hardest thing for us as men a lot of times is to to really, in an encouraging way, hold somebody accountable? It's kind of hard to do it in the culture we live yeah. in now? Well, I don't think it has to do with the culture. Culture is part of that, because, but in any culture, it's hard because men, especially, we're, we do not want people to see what's really going on in our hearts. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the favorite verses for accountability is uh, the Proverbs 27, 17, which says, iron sharpens iron. But, but very few men go to the 12 verses before that, which says, better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be kissed. No one wants to be uh, wounded. But, Doug, you, how many times have you and I wounded each other and oh, said and yeah. asked each other the hard things? Yeah. You have helped me grow far more than I've helped you grow through the decades. Mm. And you need to know that. Mm. And accountability if you want a great definition of accountability accountability is asking on this side of the grave the same questions as god's going to ask on the other side for example i stand before god he's going to say hey perry i gave you this beautiful bride janet for 47 years hey give me an account how does she love me more now um over 47 years because of your love for her go ahead i'm listening perry Hey, Perry, I gave you this money. I give you this many, many thousands, thousands of dollars a year. Give me an account. How did you use that money to advance my kingdom? Go ahead, Perry. I'm listening. Hmm. Hey, I gave you six grandkids. I gave you two daughters. Give me an account. How did you use them, and how did you build them for my glory? God's going to answer you those questions, and I need brothers in my life now asking me those questions with grace now. And here's how you do it, Doug. You ask the hard questions, but you do it this way. Doug, hey, you've got kids. You've got a beautiful wife, Lori. Tell me, Doug, how's it going, Lori? Are you praying with her? Are you loving her? And by the way, would you help me to do that too, Doug? Mm -hmm. And that little phrase at the end, Doug, would you help me to do that with Janet? All of a sudden it goes from I'm incriminating you to graciously, Doug, I need the same help. And the same hard questions that I'm asking you. 
if that makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. And and it reminds me, too, of Galatians, where I think it was you I first heard use the phrase, use a velvet brick. Explain that phrase. Velvet covered brick. Yeah, explain that phrase real quick. we got about two minutes yeah, left. Yeah, it came from a guy named Dave Butts. Um, he coined that phrase, velvet covered brick. I'll steal it from him. But, yeah, in Galatians says, if any man is caught in sin, go to him and restore. And the word restore is either put a, is used medically, putting a splint on a broken bone or repairing a fishing, fishing net. With gentleness and so forth, you go there to restore and to bring them back to Christ, not to crush them and guilt trip them because they're away from Christ. Mm-hmm. And you always do that by asking good, solid questions with, and how can I help you there, Doug? How can I help you pray more with, with Lori as you help me to pray more with, uh, with Janet or whatever the question is for accountability? Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. Well, Perry, thank you so much for joining us today and just sharing some of the things God's taught you. And thank you for being a Paul in my life and just being a guy who's been faithful to model a love for Jesus and a love for his people. And I just pray for you and uh, Janet that uh, as God moves you to Chattanooga, he'll continue to use you up there. And um, like you say to me all the time, blessings on you, brother. <laughs> all right. Blessings upon the Lord upon you. Yeah. Thank you, Perry. I love you. I love you. Thanks for joining us today. All right. Hey, you've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you want to listen to this or any past broadcast, you can go to www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. If you want to send us a message, you can uh, go to at SWAT Radio Talk on Facebook or Twitter, and uh, we're happy to respond. Thank you guys for listening in Meridian, Virginia, and out west, wherever SWAT is played. Stay tuned to Mar because Brad's going to have Brian Doyle of Iron Sharpens Iron. We'll be back with more SWAT radio tomorrow. Have a good evening and God bless you. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual